Hi, this is Brad Constantine, and this is a podcast recording of the Doctrine and Covenants of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Even though this is not an official recording of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, every effort has been made to be as doctrinally and historically accurate as possible. Every day a new section of the Doctrine and Covenants will be released. I hope that you'll visit this often and be able to share this uh, with your friends. Thank you. Hi, and welcome back to the Doctrine and Covenants podcast. This is going to be for section 9. So I'll start with the heading. Revelation given through Joseph Smith the prophet to Oliver Cowdery at Harmony, Pennsylvania, April 1829. Oliver is admonished to be patient and is urged to be content to write for the time being at the dictation of the translator rather than to attempt to translate. The lessons growing out of Oliver Cowdery's experience are of, of, of immense value to all who seek answers to prayers. For that purpose, section 9 should be thoughtfully studied. It is the most authoritative and instructive source we have, particularly when studied in concert with the previous three revelations in helping us to understand how the Book of Mormon was translated. That was by Joseph Ely McConkie. Verse 1, Behold, I say unto you, my son, that because you did not translate according to that which you desired of me, and did commence again to write for my servant Joseph Smith, Jr., even so I would that you should continue until you have finished this record which I have entrusted unto him. Most of the Book of Mormon manuscript was written in the hand of Oliver Cowdery, a measure of his obedience to this command. And then, behold, other records have I that I will give unto you power that you may also assist to translate. God is going to use Oliver in this in this way. He wants to. Uh, he will do the same for us. Oliver did set as scribe for Joseph for parts of the Joseph Smith translation for the book of Abraham. And that was by Robinson and Garrett. Verse 3, Be patient, my son, for it is wisdom in me, and it is not expedient that you should translate at this present time. Behold, the work which you are called to do is to write for my servant Joseph. Why was Oliver tr- unable to translate? Because he lacked the faith to do so. And behold, it is because that you did not continue as you commenced when you began to translate that I have taken away this privilege from you. Do not murmur, my son, for it is wisdom in me. Countless souls seeking to understand the principles upon which the truths of heaven are dispersed or dispensed will find helpful instruction in Oliver Cowdery's efforts to translate. Here we learn that answers come to those who have prepared themselves to receive them. It is not enough for us to simply ask Study, thought, and pondering, and prayerful searching are very much a part of the revelatory process. In the earlier revelation, section 8, Oliver was told that the process of revelation would include the use of both his mind and his heart. Surely what we can do, we must do. We do not ask for our daily bread with the idea in mind that angels will be sent to prepare our soil, plant the seeds, nurture the plants, and then do the work of the harvest. Faith is not a substitute for indolence. So it is that in seeking an answer, we study the matter, make the best possible conclusions, and then take it to the Lord for confirmation or for redirection. In like manner, when we are called to serve in the church, we do not shift the responsibility of receiving a necessary revelation for our callings to those who preside over us. Spiritually, we are to stand on our own feet. As appropriate, we may seek counsel from others and their confirmation of the course we feel impressed to follow, but we do not properly shift the burden of our effort of our office back to them. That was, again, by Brother McConkie. Continuing verse 6, that I have dealt with you after this manner. Behold, you have not understood. You have supposed that I would give it unto you when you took no thought save it was to ask me. But behold, I say unto you that you must study it out in your mind. Then you must ask me if it be right. And if it is right, I will cause that your bosom shall burn within you. Therefore, you shall know that it is right. These feelings may apply to some, but not for others. 
Dallin Oaks said, This burning in the bosom may be one of the most important and misunderstood teachings in all the doctrine and covenants. The teachings of the Spirit often come as feelings. That fact is of the utmost importance, yet some misunderstanding what it means. I have met persons who told me they have never had a witness from the Holy Ghost because they have never felt their bosom burn within. What does a burning in the bosom mean? Does it need to be a feeling of caloric heat, like the burning produced by combustion? If that is the meaning, I have never had a burning in in the bosom. Surely the word burning in this scripture signifies a feeling of comfort and serenity. That is the witness many receive. That is the way revelation works. Truly, the still small voice is just that still and small. The language of peace, as spoken by the Lord, embraces a sense of quiet confidence, comfort, and warmth. It is gentle and calm, amiable and sweet. It is temperate and kind. It is orderly and identified by happiness, joy, and feelings of love. Elder Packer said, This burning in the bosom is not purely a physical sensation. It is more like a warm light shining within you, being in your being. Describing the promptings from the Holy Ghost to one who has not had them is very difficult. Verse 9, But if it not be right, you shall have no such feeling, but you shall have a stupor of thought that shall cause you to forget the thing which is wrong. Therefore, you cannot write that which is sacred, save it be given you from me. In describing the nature of this feeling, S. Dilworth Young said, if, a man, if I am to receive revelation from the Lord, I must in, be in harmony with him by keeping his commandments. Then, as needed, according to his wisdom, his word will come into my mind through my thoughts, accompanied by a feeling in the region of my bosom. It is a feeling which cannot be described, but the nearest word we have is burn or burning. Accompanying this always is a feeling of peace, a further witness that what one hears, what one heard is right. A similar privilege is given to any member of the church who seeks knowledge in the spirit of prayer and faith. The Lord will cause the feeling of security and truth to take hold of the individual and burn within the bosom, and there will be an overwhelming feeling that the thing is right. Missionaries have felt the manifestation of this gift while laboring in the field, when searching the scriptures, when speaking before congregations on the streets and in public gatherings. When you have been listening to some inspired speaker who has uh, presented a new thought to you, have you not felt that burning within you and the satisfaction in your heart that this is that this new thought is true? On the other hand, have you experienced the feeling of stupor, gloom, or uneasiness when some thoughts have been possessed have been presented which was in conflict with the revealed word of the Lord, and you have felt by the man, by this manifestation of the Spirit that what was said is not true? It is a great gift which all may receive to have this spirit of discernment or revelation, for it is the spirit of revelation. That was by Joseph Ealing Smith. It is important to understand that the contrast described here between a burning in the bosom and a stupor of thought applied specifically to the process of translation. The Lord had previously instructed Oliver in other ways that the spirit is manifested in verses in sections 6 and 8. These other descriptions do not mention any stupor of thought. Therefore, it would be unwise to insist that these verses be understood as defining how the Holy Ghost must always work in every person's life. That's a comment by Robinson and Garrett. That's a good comment, isn't it? Now, if you had known this, you could have translated. Nevertheless, it is not expedient that you should translate now. Behold, it was expedient when you commenced, but you feared, and the time is past, and it is not expedient now. For do you not behold that I have given unto my servant Joseph sufficient strength, whereby it is made up? And neither of you have I condemned. Do this thing which I have commanded you, and you shall be and you shall prosper. Be faithful and yield to no temptation. Stand fast in the work wherewith I have called you." 
and a hair of your head shall not be lost, and you shall not be lifted up at the last, and you shall be lifted up at the last day. Amen. Notice that Oliver's not condemned for not being able to translate, uh, because that was not his assignment specifically, and so uh, we should be able to serve in the callings that we're at, and not feel bad that we can't do other things. We're not the bishop, or we're not the stake president. I bear testimony of the truth of these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. See you next time. Bye.